0: In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM.
1: Evans.
2: Ah, welcome to a rainy Tuesday. 57 degrees currently. They say it's going to get up to 81. Think of that. Maybe even have some thunderstorms fact, as we look through the week, even the weekend, there's mention of rain every day. Part of our Friends and Neighbors series today, we have Mark Heflin joining us. Right here on 970 WATH, The Party Line. tell you, the new grass I planted uh, will be grateful for this rain, for sure. All right. Good morning, folks. Welcome. And Mark Heflin, good morning. Whoops, I got the wrong mic on. Do it again. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. There you go. Um, Mark, you and I have known each other a long time, but there's a lot of stuff I don't know about you. And, uh, and so I'm in our na- our Our listeners don't either, of course. They may not even have met you, although you've met a lot of folks. So th- th- I'm going to go down through a list of stuff. Where were you raised?
3: Oh, that's a great question. If you notice my introduction or you might hear a little bit of a southern drawl, I was actually born in Chicago, Illinois, but grew up mostly in the deep south in Atlanta in a small town in Louisiana called Spring Hill, not too far from the Duck Dynasty boys.
2: How about that? So, um, what was it like, uh, I mean, at what age did you leave Chicago?
3: I was six when I left there. Now, there's a funny story related to that. Can I tell it now? Well, yeah. Because you might get to this. We're on the
2: radio. We only have so much time.
3: So so do it. You might get to this later, but um, I met my wife-to-be, Mindy, at a staff conference that we attend out at, Uh, colorado state university it's not there anymore the conference will be moving to milwaukee this summer but um i was she was on staff here with crew uh, and we were dating long distance i was in grad school out in california and so one of my ideas was to uh come visit her via chicago and run the chicago marathon no well uh while there i thought you know i'm gonna see if i can't take her to my childhood home growing up and uh, see if i can show it to her well the the lady that was living in the home um i don't know what it was but she was scared yes and didn't show us the home mm-hmm. so later on uh, i was back in chicago for another conference and uh, mindy was with me and i took her back to that house and she said you know a young man came by a number of years ago, and <laughs> wanted to see my home, and I didn't want to show it to him. But, yeah. but I'll show it to you. And I said, Well, I was that young man, and and uh, this lady beside me, I was dating, and and now she's my wife, and yeah. we've been in Athens the entire time.
2: Neat story. Well, Chicago, Atlanta. What what, what were your impressions of big cities?
3: Well, that's that's it. Um, Big, big with lots of people. And so it was a pretty good culture shock for me moving from those two big cities to a tiny little town of 4,000 people in Spring Hill, Louisiana. It's about an hour north of Shreveport. Mm -hmm. Um, Took me a little bit to get adjusted, but uh, I still stay in touch with some of my high school friends back in the day.
2: Well, we'll come back to that. What were your parents' backgrounds?
3: Uh, Both of them grew up in... In southern Mississippi. In fact, um, it's kind of interesting. We have a current uh, football coach here by the name of Alan Rudolph. Yes. And he and I were talking. we just met. And uh, I said, where are you from, coach? And he said, well, I'm from Mississippi. So we began. I asked him, well, we're in Mississippi. And it went down. He grew up in the same Town that my mom grew up in. <laughs> yeah. And just a spot in the road. And every time I, I went down further to the smaller towns, he kept getting this look in his face like, how do you know where these places are?
2: Right. Well, um, but, but professionally, what were their backgrounds?
3: So, dad worked for International Paper Company for like 35 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, mom was a homemaker and raised five. Heflin kids. Mercy, I, I was the I was the middle of five, the middle of five, and a handful four, and um, and then she taught uh, piano and led the led our children's church choir that I sang in. I'm not well, going to sing for you this morning though. <laughs> that's,
2: that's, I mean, we'll we'll let that pass. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it sounds to me like. Um, uh, both of them were encouraging their family of five to participate in a lot of activities, right?
3: Very much so. And um, growing up in the in the small town, uh, well, prior to moving to Spring Hill, um, I mostly was active in swimming. They wanted to, to give us swimming lessons, and they didn't have those. Now, and- I don't
2: have you pictured as a swimmer. <laughs> I, uh, and, uh, I don't mean a polka-like. That uh, that wasn't a poke or anything, but uh, that's just interesting to me. Swimming, eh?
3: I'm actually, uh, I like to swim a lot. Um, Cool. Now, back in the day, I was skin and bones, so uh, not that way right now.
2: Yeah. Well, um, so uh, uh, competitive swimming?
3: No, just club, just local. Okay. Okay.
2: And and your brothers as well. See, they all your siblings are brothers, right?
3: I've got one brother who's passed, a sister who's passed, and oh. two other sisters that are still living. My older and my youngest.
2: So it was two boys and three girls. That's right. All right. But, and I'm sort of lost in that. Your remaining sisters. Sisters. Okay. Um. Well, w- w- were they encouraged to do all sorts of things
3: too? they were um my my brother was more of a musician so he he participated in band and um my youngest sister participated in softball uh, as did my second youngest sister mm-hmm. and um and my older sister she moved out of the house uh, before i knew much of what she was involved in so Pretty soon, her activities began raising her own family, and she worked in the uh, commercial lending business for for many years. And she's back, actually, not too far away from our small hometown in Spring Hill. She's in Benton, Louisiana.
2: Well, um, did you go to a public school?
3: I did, my whole life.
2: And um, I I assume... Your public school had athletics and things like that,
3: right? They did. Um, I played football and ran track and uh, made an attempt at wrestling, but uh, that really wasn't my niche. People get me confused with a wrestler based on my body build today, but my love was football and, uh, and then running.
2: And was your school, um, how, what do I want to say, did they achieve any um, um, awards in those sports?
3: They did after I left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our coach. Um, we had uh, one of the paper mill sections closed down, and and that forced a lot of the people to move away from the area, and so it decreased our population. and the, And the coach was able to move our football team down to a lower division, and and then we ran one championship after championship during that time.
2: Now. See. Uh, sometimes I don't like to ask this question, but I will anyway. How old are you? <laughs> How old
3: do you think I am, Dave? I, I'm late 50s? I work with college kids, so for a long time I think it kept me young. Um, I'm approaching 62. Okay.
2: Well, um, you and Mindy... hmm. Um, And she's someday I'm gonna have her on the show too. I'd love
3: to. She's she's my gem. She's she's definitely be a pleasure to have on.
2: Well, now when at what age did you two meet?
3: I was 34 at the time, so I was a single young man for a long time, and then I'm I met the woman of my dreams at the staff conference that I was telling you about, Mm -hmm. and she was a. A good bit younger than me, over 10 years younger. And, uh, and it was not quite love at first sight, but almost. We got unofficially engaged a month after that we had met wow. and only spent about nine days face to face together. <laughs> uh, cause I was, like I said, was in school in California and she mm. was here in Athens.
2: Well, uh, okay. So now, um, so she's an OU person?
3: She is not. Um, we're both transplants. She okay. actually grew up in Norwalk, Ohio. So
2: what brought her to Athens?
3: Um, Athletes in Action okay. brought her to Athens. Okay. Well, And then she brought me to Athens.
2: <laughs> then I need to back up a notch. Uh, when I think of Mark and Mindy Heflin, um, the word religion comes to mind uh, almost immediately. Uh, each of you have had such long backgrounds with organizations that have are are based religiously based, if you will. Um, when did you, not Mindy, when did you first um grab on to that?
3: Well, that's a that's an interesting story as well. Um, I was in high school Uh, my parents as Mindy's parents raised us uh, both in the church to go to church be involved in church and so I was involved in church but I was not uh, what I would call a Christian I was almost the exact opposite of it and so the exact um, opposite yeah, I was a bit of a...
2: Troublemaker? Rebe-
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm I'll a... say
2: mischievousness. Okay,
3: that's cool. It could be troublemaker, but hopefully the statute of limitations is, uh, okay. is finished. So, yes, I, I was a bit of a rebellious youth. Huh. And so... Um,
2: and uh, were your parents uh, devout or, or...
3: Yes, they were very devout, um, very devout Christ followers. And... Um, and I was not, and so the things that I got involved in as a as a kid, uh, my parents weren't proud of. Um, the day that I saw my dad cry, um, because he found a little bag of pot in my jeans pocket and thought I was a big time drug dealer, uh-uh. um, broke my own heart. And yeah. so that was uh, the beginning of a of a realization for me that I needed to make some some changes in my in my life and um, I began to try to make those changes but on my own strength I was failing miserably and um, fortunately my church youth group took us to a Christian concert and at that concert I heard and everything that i had been taught my whole life that God loved me that he cared for me that you know we just celebrated Easter where we celebrate Jesus's resurrection and and he died for me on the cross for my sin and that That was my, my spiritual journey began that day.
2: Wow. Well, but then it almost took over your life, didn't it? Well, and and I don't mean that in a negative manner.
3: It, I would say yes, in a positive manner. Yeah. um, Because I was headed down a dark, dangerous path. In fact, Dave, if my life hadn't turned around, I, I think I would have been six feet under a long time ago. Um, But. Uh, thanks to Jesus Christ uh, he changed my life and and I'm a different person and hadn't planned on joining athletes in action but um, well
2: you know you know you mentioned Jesus Christ um, in, in to Christians that is so deeply important now uh, but look at all the different religions in the world and uh, you know not and very few of them are based on Christ. That's right. And, and yet they're equally important to that person. Yes. Um, so in a roundabout manner of describing what is religion,
3: can you do so? I think so um and i'd like to do it in in two ways i'd like to define religion because as you said there are a lot of them uh, in the world and then i'd like to uh, define christianity from from my point of view go for it so religion in a simple statement is one's pursuit of their understanding of god a man on earth if you will picture picture man on earth and picture their version of God in the sky and so religion would be man trying to reach up to that God and try to reach him and so that's my definition of religion in a very simple format Christianity is not I would say religion it's a relationship with God where God in heaven and his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit They reach down to that man, to those people, those humans on earth, and then Jesus Christ and his cross bridge that gap, bridge that separation from God in heaven to man. And man now has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In a similar way, if you could say, Dave, like yours and ours, friendship. So it's not a religion where you have to do a lot of things to try to please God or appease God like most religions. It's a relationship where I still make a lot of mistakes, but fortunately I'm forgiven for each and every one of them and try not to make those mistakes, especially the things I was doing back in in high school.
2: These mistakes, are they? well you you kind of started to answer the question, do you make them knowingly? <laughs> some I do some uh, I don't okay
3: and um there's yes, now now back in high school um I knew I was making them for sure mm-hmm. um, now uh I try not to make those mistakes and I'm pretty quick to ask forgiveness of God when when I do
2: okay well um so um after high school and all of that um uh, what age was it that this all exploded in your head
3: this happened at 16 years of age 16 and um you know, at sixteen, I've got a fifteen-year-old son right now, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a pretty smart kid. All my kids are incredibly smart. Um, Mindy likes to tell me that they got it from her side of the family. Of course. And I, I have, <laughs> I have to remind her that uh, my mom did graduate summa cum laude from oh, okay. co- from college, but uh, that that skipped my my myself. Um, so, yes, we know. We think we know everything at that age, and, um, and for myself, though, I knew that the things that I was participating in, drugs and alcohol, were, were not going to get me in the, in the place that I wanted to be, and it wasn't making me the kind of person that, that I wanted to be. Um, I was a very negative, uh, mean individual, okay. and uh, I think you know me well enough to, to know I'm not like that today.
2: Mercy I'd say not um, so 16 is when you first started to become aware and, and discover religion and um, of course you were exposed to it before but it didn't it wasn't something you took in correct now um, let's see A- and at this age you were living where?
3: I was living at home.
2: I mean, what city?
3: In Spring Hill, Louisiana.
2: Okay. Now, um, so as you're getting ready and preparing for college and so on and so forth, I'm sure your parents were encouraging you to do that. What uh, And with this revelation that occurred to you at the age of 16 about religion, um, were your intentions to pursue a school that had a, a religious Foundation, or re, um, what am I trying to say?
3: Focus. Focus. No, actually not. Um, my my dad played football at Mississippi State University, and I had some family in the area, in Starkville, because, uh, in fact, my, my mom's younger sister lived there with, with my uncle. And so um, I wanted to get a little bit away from home, and... Um, because of my grades, I was able to avoid the out-of-state tuition. And at that time, tuition was pretty inexpensive. My dad said, son, if you if you can make it through, I'll, I'll pay for your college education because my older two siblings did not make it through college or mm-hmm. to college. Okay. And so my goal, um, as you kind of indicated earlier, being in the middle of five with one homemaker in the family, we didn't have a lot of stuff growing up you know things that that I'd like to have today that I still don't have boats nice house Mm -hmm. uh, and nice cars nice vacations and so my ambition was to become affluent and be able to have those things that I didn't have as a as a kid growing up so I did go to college with that ambition but at the same time I also had my relationship with Christ which was very important to me as well. And so uh, along my path, uh, my degree was in business, um, he changed, God changed my focus and called me into full time Christian work uh, instead of uh, pursuing my pursuits that I had. Which weren't necessarily wrong I should say up front, it's, it's not wrong to, to pursue material wealth. Um, but if you do it at the sacrifice of other things that are more important people, God, then um, it can be. And so I knew when God was calling me to full-time Christian work, um, I may have to give those things up, um, but because of his calling, I willingly did so. And Dave, I tell you what, um, I am more blessed today than I ever, ever imagined um, back when I made that decision to, to go into full-time Christian work. Well, uh,
2: initially, University of Mississippi, you say?
3: Ooh. Well, what You're did talking I say? about arch rivals right now. Okay, I, I missed Miss, it. Ole Mist Miss versus Mississippi State. So Mississippi I was, State. I was at okay. Mississippi State. Now, here's and a funny then, story. I transferred to Louisiana Tech University, Yeah. and that's where my mom uh, went to went to college.
2: Louisiana Tech.
3: So I finished up Louisiana Tech, still with a degree in business. Okay. And um,
2: And then somewhere along the way, there was the International School of Theology.
3: That is correct.
2: Now, where is that located?
3: That was located in uh, San Bernardino, California, about an hour or so east of LA. Yes. And um, that also was where Cruz Headquarters was located at the time. It's now in Orlando. Okay,
2: now yeah. you talk about crews. I need, uh, let me jump ahead a little sure. bit. Sure. Uh, folks, um, when I first got to know Mark, he was keenly involved his, in an organization known as Campus Crusade for Christ. Now, just in the last few years, they've sort of shortened that up to CRU, CRU. And then there's a, a cross symbol. That's their logo. Now, uh, so crew is Campus Crusade for Christ. If you hear us talk about that crew, that's what we're talking about. Okay. So Mississippi, then Louisiana Tech, and then
3: the School of Theology. But there were some intervening years okay. between that.
2: Lay them on us, if you
3: well, want. Well, so if they're af- important, sure, guys. absolutely. So, and this is another interesting story because. Um, my first staff assignment was at Ar- Arkansas State University, and um, they, they used to be the Indians, but that's not, uh we try to shy around things that are inflammatory, and so.
2: Now, your major at the time was? was business Administration. Business Administration, that okay. That is
3: correct. And so yeah, full-time Christian work does not involve, at least my aspect of working with college students, doesn't involve a lot of business and so my my skill set is working with people one-on-one face-to-face and so started out at arkansas state university and had a great time there and then i transferred to what was then memphis state now it's the university of memphis and then um sensed a desire to be more involved internationally and possibly become an uh, overseas missionary someday, and wanted to have more tools in my tool belt, so I went to grad school in theology and leadership development.
2: Okay. Well, um, so the International School of Theology, you told me where it was located, I've forgotten already. San Bernardino. Oh, yes. Um, but
3: it's not there anymore.
2: Did. Did you have to attend that campus on, um, on that campus, or was that something that could be done more uh, remotely? Yeah.
3: Both. It could be done remotely, but I was there, so I attended there and had a great, great experience. Um, small school, so we all knew one another, built great relationships, and actually that's, you know, eventually what led me to be able to meet Mindy and move here to. Athens, Ohio, for the last 25 years.
2: All right, let's um, jump around a little bit. So, um, folks, we're in Ohio. Did you know that? (laughs) Um, You know, Athens is a great town. I love it.
3: Fantastic town. Love
2: Um, it. There's another place um, almost due west of us uh, called Xenia. And um, Xenia had an old state hospital there that they closed. And, of course, we know our our state hospital here closed and um, up on the ridges. Um, But when they closed that, an organization um, called Athletes in Action, as I recall.
3: That is correct.
2: um, Took over that facility. And it is their national headquarters today, last I knew anyway.
3: That is correct
2: um you were involved in that right
3: not in the purchase of the property but there is a interesting story related to that may i share it oh well of course we it has over we athletes in action has over a hundred probably close to 160 acres on that beautiful property in xenia it had been left vacant for a number of years a group of uh, christian business People out of Dayton actually originally purchased the property for an extension of their Dayton Christian schools, as I understand it, mm-hmm. called the Legacy Foundation, and allowed Athletes in Action to operate a large portion of that campus for a dollar a year. Mm-hmm. They charged us a dollar a year to lease that property. But then that foundation fell into some financial hardship and they approached athletes in action for the purchase of that property and uh, we were able to purchase it for uh, a small sum much less than what it would be valued at if it was sold at full price and so we operate a state-of-the-art world-class athletic training center and um, it's it's impressive it's it's a privilege to be a part of that campus in that organization
2: it it is a remarkable place now um, um, are you engaged in that still
3: yes Um, in fact we're in discussions right now to to do one of our college retreats down there but but I we have just returned recently from one of our staff conferences there and uh, we gather with our staff regionally there and um they they treat us well feed us well too (laughs) well well well.
2: here here in (laughs) athens we have a campus crusade for christ facility uh and as i said now they call it crew cru um but i it's hard for me to get used to that i'm accustomed to saying campus crusade for christ now um mindy right Yes, she got uh, really engaged in that, right?
3: Are you talking about the Athletes in Action Valor Leadership House? I
2: don't know anymore. You you straighten me out. What brought you folks to Athens?
3: To Athens originally was um, was Athletes in Action slash Crew. Okay. To work at Ohio University, not for Ohio University, so we don't get that tuition waiver, but. We work primarily at Ohio University with okay. the college athletes.
2: And um, how long ago was that?
3: For me, 25 years. Okay. For Mindy, 26 years.
2: She beat you by
3: one. By, she was here a year before I was, and so we're about to celebrate our 26th wedding anniversary. Cool.
2: What What is it that trips your trigger about Athens? You You know, uh, you could be anywhere doing what you do.
3: We could and um, I tell you what day for myself As soon as I pulled into Athens my my heart started beating rapidly <laughs> uh, I pulled into a gas station to fill up my car and I heard a southern accent <laughs> and I thought why am I hearing a southern accent in yeah. Ohio and uh and of course you know we're close to Kentucky and West Virginia so I felt at home when I when I drove here for the first time and then uh, I was living in the hills I was living in the mountains of Southern California and of course we have the beautiful rolling Appalachian foothills here in Athens and Mm -hmm. the people are incredibly friendly both town and university and then I've been on a lot of university campuses in Ohio is the most beautiful campus i've ever stepped foot on dave it's i love i love it and we've been welcomed here the athletic department has welcomed us loved us um, taken good care of us and so what we try to do the best we can to give back to both the town and the university
2: so the purpose is the purpose of campus crusade for christ or athletes in action
3: it's the same as what happened to me back in high school I was I was the kid on the road to destruction and Jesus Christ turned my life around and so there are a lot of kids that show up on the college campus and um, and they get involved in things that that can be very harmful to them and then there's a lot of good kids well they're all good kids but a lot of kids that show up that that want to make a difference, and so we try to impact and help develop both sets of kids.
2: So, twenty-five years or so of doing this, um, you know, I know you've got a lot of good stories. Oh, Pe- sure. People who probably keep in touch with you, or at least attribute you uh, attribute their a better person due to you or Mindy what about failures
3: oh, um, yes not everybody that we we want to impact um, is gonna follow Christ and so that that always breaks your heart because he is the most my heart because he's the most important person in my own life and we want everybody to experience what he's given us Um, but not everybody does. And so our objective when that happens is to love them just the same. And so we love every, every kid that comes across our path.
2: But, you know, and I'm not trying, I I hope I'm not being weird here. Um, you don't have to love Christ to stay away from drugs or
3: alcohol. That is correct.
2: Um, Your goal was to help people. And if they bought into the religious side, that's great. If they didn't, that's okay, too. Right. Um, just amplify that
3: some. Sure. So here's how I would like to describe it. If, if I'm a uh, researcher, let's say a scientific researcher, and I discover the cure for cancer...
2: Mm-hmm.
3: it would be so wrong of me to to not give that cure away or to help other people that have cancer become cured of cancer. So some people might... So the idea of
2: a patent or something like that would be uh, somewhat restrictive to others, right?
3: Uh, well, I don't want to expand on it to that degree. Okay. Basically, if the person is sick... They have a disease if I have the cure I can help them in the spiritual sense all of us every human being have that same sickness that I had as a a sixteen-year old because God is perfect he's without sin humans aren't perfect we all have sin including myself my belief is that Jesus Christ is the only cure for that sin and so the greatest thing that I can do for another person is help them know that God is for them not against them that he loves them that he doesn't hate them because that's what I thought when I was a kid I thought God hated me why? Uh, because I, I was, because
2: you had a little bag of marijuana
3: uh, I, I told you earlier I was a mean kid okay. I, I wasn't a good kid and um, okay and so but regardless of whether we do a little pot or drink a little bit, that's not a drinking a little bit alcohol isn't wrong but the problem is within our heart in
2: fact we do it during communion I have a a funny story (laughs) as a kid I used to serve communion at first Presbyterian in Worthington and whoops there goes my phone probably my uh, minister up there probably calling (laughs) Um but you know, um, between services, guess what? I'd sip a little wine, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I was underage. True confession. Anyway, uh, uh, true confession. Yes. Uh, go back to your thing, please.
3: Right. So we're. It's not. So much. Um, what we do. It's it's what our it's what's in our hearts. And if our hearts aren't with Christ then we're separated from Christ and uh, and we are because we all are not perfect whether we've only told one little white lie in our life or or picked up a candy bar from a grocery store or um, just were mean to mean to somebody or or whatever and Christ is the only one that can give us that relationship with him because he was perfect that's why he died on the cross and so my goal is to, to love people the best I can, help point them to Christ, love them if, even if they don't come to Christ, um, and uh, just treat all people fairly and nicely.
2: So Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, is there a large involvement of students or is tiny or, I mean, are you pleased with its uh,
3: activities? At Ohio, in my involvement here at Ohio University? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, we have two components here. We have the, the non-athlete component, the, the campus component, and then we have the athletes in action component.
2: Okay.
3: Uh, we had close to a hundred of our varsity athletes coming out to our weekly meeting prior to COVID. Um, that's down after COVID. You know, we we had to go to a virtual environment, but we're back meeting in, in, um, on campus now. And we have about 20, 25 kids coming out and, uh,
2: now, you you either, I don't know if this is still current or not, but at one time you were the, the chaplain of Ohio football.
3: Correct. That was uh, an informal invitation that Coach Grobe came gave, extended to me when he was here. Brian Noor extended it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Frank Solich extended that. And uh, Tim Alban has extended that as well. So it's well. still going. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm curious, what,
2: what, what, what kind of,
3: what do you do? Well, uh, it's a volunteer position, so I, I don't receive any income or remuneration for it, um, and I don't ask for any. No. Uh, but um, I it gives me access to the football players in a more closer proximity. Um, I attend football practices and then, um, I speak to the kids that are that want to hear a message the night before the football game. Uh, hopefully, something that is inspirational and and challenges them to lift their game to a higher level.
2: Now, uh, Scott, jump in here a little bit. Although I guess okay. your mic's not working, but um, is it working? Well, let me try it.
0: Okay.
2: No, I got check. Oh, uh, was working s- yesterday. It's working, it just doesn't sound good. Okay. I'm going to turn it off. But here's my point. Okay. I think athletics, I think football, there's a certain degree of... uh, Suddenly I lost the word. It's a simple word, but it's... um, Toughness? Toughness it, intensity. Uh, uh intensity, but those work pretty good, but um I'm, I'm gonna call it violence. Okay. It's, that's that's where I that was kind of the a word I was controlled
0: violence, yeah. Okay.
2: So, you know, there's a certain degree of you're trying to hit someone so hard that maybe um
3: You wanna turn their helmet on backwards. <laughs> well, you know what
2: I mean. Yeah. So uh, how, how is it possible to be a chaplain of a, a sport that um, – you get my drift That or, is,
3: and I can answer that question because okay. uh, fo- football is my first love. I know Scott's first love is baseball. Yep. Um, what's yours, Dave? Is it golf? I, I would have
2: to say
3: it's – Checkers. It, <laughs> I would have to say it's
2: soccer.
3: Uh, so <laughs> – Football is a, is a violent sport. Get a little closer there. Football is a violent sport, but the, the aim, I would say, is to not hurt people, but to hit people. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a game of competition, and so we want to win. We want to come out on top uh, with a W week after week. And, um, and uh, you know, it's an enjoyable game that when you play within the, the rules and the boundaries that are set forth, um, it's an enjoyable game. People get to express their their strength, their skill, their intellect, their emotion, and uh, that's why those of us that are involved love the game.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll add, too, and in sports, you know, like football, baseball, basketball, you want to channel your emotions, and as you said, play by the rules. And policies, procedures, play by those, too, Yeah, you know, and... You can channel that once you get on the field, yeah, you want to get intense, you want to beat the other team, Uh, you try your hardest because you know they are. They want to beat you just as bad, so you channel that emotion, that aggression to the sport itself. But once you leave the field, once you leave the basketball court, the soccer field, whatever it may be, you leave it there. And then your love for Christ is still within you as you're playing, yes, yes. But once you get off the field, it changes. It goes back to that non-aggressive competition uh, that you have, or uh, it goes against the aggressive competition that you had on the field, where you take it back and you, you know, you're back to living again. You're not on the field as a soldier, as a competitor, okay. you know, as, as someone that wants to you know, hit, hit you hard like you do in football. Or it my, my situation baseball, you know, to back someone off the plate that's crowding the plate that wants to dig in on you. So you you got to play by the rules, and that's part of the sport. And and God knows that, you know, He's all
3: about knowing things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I love that summary, Scott. That's a great a great summary.
2: I found a paragraph somewhere this morning as I was thinking about this, and I copied it and printed it here. It's talking about Mark Heflin, who's our guest today, folks. We haven't said that often enough. And they said, spiritual coach and mentor, having established teams or helped bring growth to teams in over 25 countries, as well as sending leaders to another 10 countries on four continents. Spiritual coach and mentor. Um, Okay, so there's an international component here.
3: Correct. Yeah, a big component.
2: Okay, so now, Pat and myself, we've hosted a lot of students in our home. Many of them have been from other countries. Not all. Uh, All of them had um, either a desire to be in the U.S. for a year or something like that, an exchange student, if you want to call it that. Some were college students. We have one from um, the Ukraine for three years. Olga. Um, Sidrovich. I love saying her last name. Anyway. Um, and she graduated from OU. Um, it's just been, um, I, think, I think we've counted 22. Some have been African-American. And then their buddies always say, what's it like living with those white people? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Really fascinating things. Um, one's a black policeman now in um, Los Angeles. OU o- o- grad. Um, grew up in the hood. Um, we And we keep in touch with him regularly. There is a certain great feeling about doing that stuff. And I miss it. We haven't done it for a few years. Um, And yet at our age, it's a little tougher to do so,
3: particularly with Pat's health and all.
2: So I don't know. How would you get involved in all these different countries?
3: That's a great, great question. I love to answer that. Um, because when I joined, by
2: the way, we have three
3: minutes. Sure. When I joined crew, um, my my focus was the local college campus that I was on. Um, but the Bible is very clear to help reach the entire world with the message of the gospel. Not not everybody person that hears the message of the Bible is going to come into a relationship with Christ, but but that's the command that Jesus gave us to Matthew 28 to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations so my very first international experience was in, Jama- in Japan mm-hmm. and I met a kid named Yozo Yozo had heard about Santa Claus but had not heard the name of Jesus Christ mm. and so that put me on a, on a line to try to m- impact as many people as I could In the entire world
2: well you've done a good job and keep going keep doing it um you know if something comes up where we can help you make sure you let us know
3: thanks for having me on dave it's been a privilege
2: and uh oh i hear one of our buddies outside barking (laughs) um sounds like one of mine yeah let's see what's coming up scott do you remember uh, we've got... Um,
0: Chris Meal I think, is coming up. Uh, is it tomorrow, <clears throat> I believe?
2: Yes. County Commissioner Chris meal is yes. tomorrow. So we'll get updated mm-hmm. on county activities and farmers' Market, even, for crying out loud. Okay. Um, let's see here. But as we look ahead, next week, the following week, we've got Jeff Maiden, Athens County Engineer... No, that's two weeks away. Steve Patterson, the mayor, of course. All
3: right.
2: Well, I'll get busy and book some more shows, okay?
3: Dave, would it be appropriate to, if I, we have time for me to take a minute and say a prayer for all your listeners?
2: we got 40 sec. not even 40.
3: 30 seconds? Yeah. Yes. Father, thank you for you. Thank you for this radio station and what Dave and Scott and his team are doing. For all those listening, I pray that you reach out to them and let them know that you love and care for them. If there's anything I can do or we can do to help them in any way, we pray for all of their needs, all of their heartaches, all of their children, and uh, ask God that you just uh, provide for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: Amen. How about that? Amen. In our
0: 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970
3: and
1: 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H. CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The president has just weighed in after a leaked report published in Politico suggesting the Supreme Court may be poised to overturn Roe v. Wade this summer. I'm Stephen Portnoy. In a statement, President Biden notes the leaked opinion may not be genuine or reflect the ultimate outcome. But he says if it does, officials at all levels of government should act to protect abortion rights and voters in November should choose candidates who would protect them. Mr. Biden has previously called on Congress to codify the right to abortion in federal law. Getting that bill through the Senate would require an end to the filibuster and such a law could be repealed if power changes hands. Correspondent Jan Crawford is at the Supreme Court. Early drafts of opinions can change as they go through the drafting process. That's not uncommon. And justices have in the past changed their votes before a final decision is released. That may be unlikely in this case. Jeff Rosen is president of the National Constitution Center.
0: The court takes its secrecy incredibly seriously the justices will investigate this leak vigorously and try to find out who the leaker was
1: Republicans are casting ballots in Ohio Senate primary today the outcome could be a gauge of former President Trump's hold on the GOP correspondent Robert Costa is in Columbus Trump's pick JD Vance is the front runner but the field is crowded and the race is considered a toss-up A UN humanitarian official says most of the 101 people rescued from a steel factory in southeastern Ukraine have now arrived in Ukrainian-held Zaporizhia. The WHO's Dr. Dorit Nitsan. We are ready to see if there are pregnant women, children, malnutrition. We are all here and health system is well prepared others remain stranded inside that plant in Mariupol and city officials report Russian forces have begun storming the facility once again just in from the WNBA